Welcome to ContenderCast, a leadership conversation centered on shining a light on bright ideas. And now here's your host, Justin Hahnemann. Thanks for downloading. It's Justin Hahnemann on the ContenderCast for shining a light on bright ideas. And today, you're going to meet one of my new great friends, Will Nitzi. Will, it is so great having you on the podcast. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Dude, I'm so excited that you're here. For those who don't know Will, he is the CEO and founder of this really cool new company called IQ Bar. If you love the food industry, if you love health, you're going to love this conversation today. And and it's just such a great story. And it's kind of evolving story over the last two or three years. And we're just going to dive in. So Will, I have to ask, and I love to ask this question. So I, I did my homework on your background. You get your bachelor's at Harvard, which is amazing, uh, in government and philosophy, right? (laughs) The true entrepreneur. And then you go work in supply chain and operations software. And here you are, after you were there, what, two or three years, you decide I'm going to launch a a company in the food business. So how does that happen? And how did you make that transition? Yeah. So so actually, as an undergrad, I minored in psychology and neuroscience and got really interested in the brain and, you know, all things brain related. I discovered that subject late in my academic career, but it really became my my passion. And so I really wanted to work in something at least tangentially relevant to the brain. And I couldn't, couldn't figure out a way to do that. So almost by default, you know, graduation uh, sort of snuck up on me and I took a job that was right in front of me, uh, which was selling supply chain and operation software to the energy industry. <laughs> it sounds um, like and, just like something you'd be doing to work on the brain, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, but it got you started uh, in something, right? So it gave you some time to be developing this idea on the side. Yeah, and I, and I didn't know what I want. Like, candidly, I I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I, I knew what I didn't want to do. A lot of my friends were going into consulting and finance, and I knew that that would not make me happy. And you know, it's a path to a quick high salary, but. I just didn't want to do that for 40 years. And and I knew that. So it was just sort of something else that I could do some other path I could take. Um, And so, yeah, so about three months in though, I realized this is not for me either. I, I, it was, you know, it was about as dry as it sounds (laughs) selling supply chain and operation software. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Data, data cleansing software to like Exxon mobile and, um, you know, great company and value proposition and everything. It just, it was not, um, drawing on, on, on my passion or interest in, in it really any way. I had no, you know, ownership of the company. I, it was, it was, um, there's just nothing, there's no major motivators other than not getting fired. <laughs> right. Which is no fun at all. Right. And, and plus, I mean, it's, it's what a difference in starting your own brand and building a company. So how did you go from, okay, you're in that role, you know, it's not for you long-term to, and, and you know, you'd want to do something with the brain, but how did you come up with this idea to, to create a bar and, and, and get into this, the food and beverage space? Yeah. So, um, so I, I was also always interested in business and entrepreneurship, and I knew I always wanted to do something myself. Um, but so while I was at this job, I started feeling bad physically. Um, I was working really long hours, and I, you know I had had that interest in my brain, but my own brain started experiencing failings. Wow! Like um, you know headaches, mental fog, things like that. I, I basically just felt bad on a daily basis. 
and I had a pretty bad diet my most of my <laughs> life, and um, and I, I saw that I, I realized that as the main contributing factor to to how I was feeling. So, um, and then I started voraciously reading up on nutrition and how how it relates to the brain because I had never really made that linkage in in my past work with the brain. So. Um, I became obsessed with that, read a book called Grain Brain, which really set everything off for me. Wow. And okay. And then I became, um, you know, my, I, I totally inverted my diet, started eating a low carb, uh, high fat diet and, and everything just got better and better. And so I got more and more interested because I was using myself as a guinea pig and seeing results. And then I basically just became frustrated that there was no ready to i'm not a cook i don't like cooking i don't sure. have time for cooking um <laughs> and i like to work and be doing things and running around and so i became frustrated there was no ready to eat like grab and go option um uh, that fit this new dietary regimen and that was you know a quote-unquote brain food which to me was crazy because there's so much in by way of you know pills supplements even drinks and things like that and so clearly the demand is there they're just wasn't a solution for it at sure. the time. I, I love that. So you decide I'm going to create something here. But as we talked about before I hit record earlier, I mean, you didn't come up through the consumer goods business or manufacturing or in probably what did you even have any experience like in the space? So how did you figure out the whole concept of developing a food product and like getting it to even to something that could be sold? Yeah, that was very tough. I, I took a path that I would recommend for others because it worked really well for me. And it it um, takes a lot of guessing out of it, which is basically I, I knew and admitted to myself that I didn't know anything. And so I said, okay, surely there are 10 people in Boston who have done something right. at least somewhat at least similar 10, to this. Right? At least 10. And, right? Yeah, at least 10. And you know, Boston's not a huge food or beverage community, but even so, it's a pretty big city, and I knew I could find some people. So I basically found every food food company in Boston and sent them an email or called them and said, hey, can I buy you a coffee and ask you a bunch of questions? And wow. To their credit, they all said yes. And so, That's pretty cool. <laughs> and, and even some, some bar companies. So I sat down with them and just like barraged them with questions and... You know, everything from like how, like what you were asking, like, how do you create a food product? Right. Like, did you just make the recipe yourself? Did you hire a formulator? How do right. you make it? Do you use a commissary kitchen versus a, a co-packer? Um, you know, how do you get certifications like kosher certifications? You know, and then getting into like, there's, there's a lot of lingo, you know, like inner packs, master cases. Right. Like, right. You're sort of like getting the, the lingo down like i didn't know what a palette was you know like <laughs> that's so, that's so like, funny you're right it's like a palette a case inner case i mean all of those things and then the labeling for those i mean there's those are all the small things nobody thinks about and they like you just think about oh i need to make a food bar or a beverage and like, right and like and, and like bar and it's like barcode like since someone's like okay and uh, you're gonna need, need upcs and i was like <laughs> <Right>. upcs <laughs> like, oh, it's a barcode right I was like, well, how do you get a barcode? And he's like, well, go, yeah, go to GS1 and get a barcode. And I was like, so it's just like chipping away. And so basically I sat down with all these people, got as much knowledge as I could. Now, what's interesting is some stuff contradicted other stuff. So some, you know, everyone does it differently. So I had to sort of use my own gut 
and, and filtering process to decide who I wanted to listen to and, and whose advice I wanted to take. But um, ultimately, there's really like two paths that became apparent to me. There's the slow growth, kind of grassrootsy path, and then the more high risk, just like jump into the right. deep end <laughs> path. Um, and I can talk more about how I took the latter of those. But um, but yeah. Yeah, it's a really cool story. And I know you started with Kickstarter and whatnot. And I mean, now if you guys go check out eatiqbar.com and you'll see all of the, the, the brands here now in terms of the options and whatnot. But um, so talk about how okay, you did your research, understood the market, you know, kind of had to vet it, what your perspective was or filter through differing perspectives, right? And so how did you go from all of that kind of data collection, I'll call it, to you know, starting to to put together the ingredients and the recipe to make a bar. That was the thing that like now, knowing what I know years later, I think I could do in like <laughs> a, mo- a month or two. <laughs> but it took you but how long? Time, it took me a year. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It took me it's it's crazy. 12 months. Wow. So, you know, it basically started um, by like going to the grocery store and buying a bunch of stuff and just looking at a ton of labels. Um, you know, looking at a ton of bars and how did they do it? What ingredients did they use? And, and just by default, I started more on more of like the natural end. And it's like, you can buy those, you know, all those inputs at a grocery store. Like Absolutely. once you get into like chicory root fiber, it's like, where the hell do I even <laughs> what the get heck? that? You know? <laughs> chicory root fiber. And Jeez. what was, what was tricky for me at first was my whole goal was to create a super low carb, low sugar product. But again, I didn't know. Like to do that, you have to use, you know, non-GMO natural stuff, but it's not stuff you can buy at at a Whole Foods. So, um, actually, the first iterations of the products were a date-based bar, um, and it was I want to say like eight grams of sugar, and so that was the best that I could do. Like, I minimized as much as possible the sugar, and uh, and use mostly natural ingredients. But I mean, there was like months of at a time where I was, because I didn't know what I was doing from a cost of goods standpoint. And so I was using crazy ingredients that there was a bunch of research that were good for your brain, but it was like, it was like curcumin, which is an extract of turmeric, which is like bright orange. And then it turned all the bar orange <laughs> and it tasted terrible. Oh, and, but I was like so stubborn that I wanted to have this in it because no other bar had it. Right, it'd be the unique thing about it. I mean, come on. And, uh, <laughs> and resveratrol and before i knew it the bar was going to cost like 20 bucks a pop so <laughs> right then you got to sell it to retailers at 40 dollars and retail it at 45 i mean it's crazy so 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 it, it just wasn't going to work um and that's not to mention all the other like 50 variables like you know taste like mouthfeel like um setting up the supply chain you know blah 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 so basically um I spent about a year doing that. Got got a, a, pro, a you know rough prototype together myself, and then the the key thing though is linking up with a manufacturer who would actually make it for me because I had no track record. I had really no money. Um, so one of the companies in Boston that I had talked to introduced me to their co-packer. Uh, I called the guy and that's really the first sale you make is selling your co-packer. Sure. They don't need to work with you. And right. actually you're, plenty. You're, you're a fairly high risk proposition for them. Cause most companies fail 
um, especially food and beverage companies. And you have no, there's no reason to take you on. So really it's your story and your charisma and that's all you have to go on. And, uh, and if they think the idea is good and worthwhile and luckily the, these guys liked it and, and I was persistent enough to get them to take me on. And then, um, we were able to, I basically flew out there. I was like, here's my kind of rough prototypes. And there we, uh, you know, use all of their inputs that were the same or very similar to like recreate the bars on their end. And we were like, okay, well, here's a prototype. We think we, you know, here's like a minimum order for this and we can do, I was like, okay, can we do like any like pilot run just to right. see, what, <laughs> just like, to see a, how it's going to be <laughs> a couple thousand bars would be. And they'd be like, and they were like, yep, we can do a pilot run. It's expensive, but we'll do like a couple thousand bars. So it was expensive, but that's what we did. I, I, I did. Um, so I made a couple thousand of these things and then say one flavor then, or multiple flavors. How did you decide it that? Was three is three flavors okay. to start. Um, and the whole idea was make these prototypes, run a Kickstarter, use the prototypes as sort of fodder for, for the campaign. You know, so yeah, yep. content, social media, send it to inf- send them to influencers, like sure. use it to like start growing interest, send it to press and then, you know, run out of those and, and, and rack up enough orders where then I could run a full production run absolutely, and, and pay for it with the Kickstarter money. So, that uh that's what happened luckily uh but it was super stressful we did a two-month campaign and um sold about two thousand orders worth and uh and were these to individuals or retailers or what did that look like initially individuals definitely individuals um you know of course the first ones were friends and family and then right you run it you get you get this influx and then you run out of those and you get all you know stressed out you're like how am i going to find hundreds and hundreds right. of more people right. um and so you know we did a number of time we also didn't have that much money so it's not like you can just dump money into facebook ads so how we uh, you know it was the question was always how do we cost effectively keep this thing ticking upwards um so yeah, I mean, we did a number of things that I would are, that are kind of like gray area, candidly. Like, uh, you won't read them on blog posts anywhere. Put it that way. I can't um, wait to hear. Can you share any of those? Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> well, <laughs> I love it. I mean, the, you, again, you know, I'm going to ask. <laughs> pro- probably the most effective one, which um, I don't, to my knowledge, I don't know if anyone else I've talked to has ever done this, but for me, it was like just an obvious one was aggregating a massive massive email database of people who are like tangentially related to me in in some way so like they went to the same college as me or were from the same were they're from boston or something like that and so i amassed this like massive like for example this massive uh harvard graduate uh, database of people like I would go to the Harvard library <laughs> and literally like scan all these pages and oh try to gosh. do like scan to text conversions. Right. <laughs> so anyway, I, I aggregated 
like 60,000 Harvard email addresses. <laughs> and blast out a campaign. And, Harvard alum launches new food bar. <laughs> Buy here. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then we, and then I made, you know, to keep our like URL health uh, there, we, I just made like, I used my Harvard alumni email address. Oh, nice. And used MailChimp and just as the, as the respond to and just blast, like just ruthlessly blasted email. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> And it wasn't even like spammy. It was just kind of sure. like, "Hey, here's here's who I am. Here's this project. Would love if you check it out." Like, that's not cool. asking, no uh, pressure, yeah, no selling. No, and of course, you get like, you know, when you send that many emails, you get a lot of people who are like, <laughs> "Spam, unsubscribe, like, never talk to me again." <laughs> right. But then you get like, I got like hundreds of people who are like, "This is so cool. I'm an investor, and oh wow, look at stuff like this. Like, oh, my sister works for General Mills. I sent this to her." Just like by virtue of, you know, that's very cool. That's being very in cool. Places like five, ten years after graduation, you get all these like sort of serendipitous um, coincidences that that are helpful, and then you get a ton of people back the project because it's like, oh yeah, why not? Like twenty bucks, like um, why not? You know, and 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 again, because they're not a, a an exact stranger. They're like they feel there's some one, connection. That one yep. little hook. Yep. Um, no doubt. And and it's free. And it's free. So that was actually incredibly successful. And I did that across other things too. Like I even used I found my parents direct like school directories. And I was like, hey, am I like it it sounds so silly and dumb, but like and then they're like, you like pull on any emotion you can, like pity, sure. like anything. <laughs> well, and, and, but there is some level of trust, like or a relationship, right? And so that it, it's like a door opener versus someone that's emailing or calling cold. So I think that's super smart. Yeah, thanks. So, yeah, so that was <laughs> it uh, worked, right? I mean, that that's pretty that amazing. So, yeah, we became at the time, I don't know if this has changed, but we were the most crowdfunded bar ever out of i don't know <laughs> wow. how many probably 20 bars that have, have gone that route but so we could kind of flash that around to press and yeah we're the most funded bar and that's really um, cool by the way we're unique in these ways and so that was helpful from like a, a pr standpoint dude that is really cool i love that one and you know what it took it took time and work right it wasn't something easy you had to go research and find the lists and scan them. I mean, you know, I think sometimes people get in the mode of hoping for a simple solution. I'll just launch a Facebook ad and Instagram ad, and then, you know, surely that'll work. And we you tried I mean? that. Yeah. And, you know, we tried everything, but that just, like, wasn't going to get us there. And we were going to no. spend ungodly amounts of money I was to say, acquire these customers. The cost of that, it, it just goes up so quickly. If, anyway, it's, and anybody that's, that's used that, um, option those it's can get very costly um well okay i love that um i know some of our listeners will be asking about what's in the bar and i it was really cool i love your website um six brand nutrients in each bar i know we don't have time to go through all of them but i, I some of these are fascinating so lion's mane mcts omega 3s flavonoids i think it's the coolest name ever vitamin e and choline so help Help us understand, how did you decide these were the ingredients? Like, you know, how, how did you figure that out? Yeah, so, um, again, it's 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 a combination of, like, what is feasible and what has the most scientific backing that it's good for the brain for X, Y, Z reasons. So, we're very careful not to be a nutraceutical or a medicine or anything like that. Like, we make, we actually make no claims 
um, you know, a brain nutrient is like, you know, li literally speaking, anything that um, can break down into like one molecule of glucose is a brain nutrient because uh, it feed you know feeds the brain or uh, breaks down into a ketone body. If you're familiar with that, feeds the brain. It's a brain nutrient. So we never say eat this and that result will happen. Rather, we say here's a bunch of research that these six nutrients are good for the brain for X Y Z reason, um, and and you do the math and we so. But in terms of how we we chose those specific ones, you know, number one is you want to have a clean label. You want to use, um, you know, uh, to the extent possible, whole natural ingredients. And so the question was, I mean, I literally made, I was very quantitative about this. I made a big Excel spreadsheet and said, okay, like, what are all of the nutrients that have a ton of backing that are good for you? Okay, omega-3s, you know, vitamin E. Um, now, choline, flavonoids, et cetera, et cetera. And then under that, what are all of the whole foods richest in those things? So if you take like vitamin E, it'd be like hazelnuts, almonds, sure. sunflower seeds, Nuts, et seeds, grains. Et um, yeah. And so basically I was just like, can I take the top of all of these and make a bar out of it? So like, could I take like almonds and chia seeds and uh you know for omega-3s and like blueberries for flavonoids and um you know sunflower lecithin for Coconut. choline choline's kind <laughs> of a MCTs. weird one yeah yep. mct mct oil um can i get that from you know coconut so so basically it was just like and then some of them you can't get them so it's like okay curcumin like not going to happen tastes terrible super expensive and bright orange so you know you you filter down stuff that won't be feasible but um and eventually you're just like you know you get to a point where it's like okay i can achieve all goals like good taste good texture good mouthfeel good cost of goods like good representation of this nutrient and set that i'm aiming for and and it works. So it's, it's kind of, and it takes brute, brute iteration and, and repetition to, to get there. Um, but that was how I So did cool. It. And for those that don't know what lion's mane is, powerful mushroom that's been used in Chinese medicine for millennia. I mean, this is crazy and very, very cool. Um, we could spend like a whole podcast just talking about ingredients, right? So let me ask you this. So um, I'm going to, I know I took a little diversion there, but I wanted to make sure we covered that. So back to the, you know, launch the getting product to market you're you're off and running how did you go from friends family uh the email list the you know school you know kind of the next layer of friends to retailers for example that you know where you maybe didn't have the relationship what was the trigger for some of those early wins you know getting you into to larger mass yeah i mean so we're born on e-com so the first step was like how do you parlay the Kickstarter into just a website? And then the step after that is, okay, how do you like get an Amazon page set up? And, you know, once we get that, it's like, how do you start growing those? And we, we really had no ambitions to go into brick and mortar for a while. Um, and, you know, we still try to control growth in, in brick and mortar because we don't want to overexpose ourselves there. But, our, our our intro into brick and mortar was uh, an interesting one. Basically, we connected with CBS because they're rolling out all these functional 
sections of, of stores, you know, it'd be like brain health, cognitive, uh, like digestive health, heart health, et cetera. And so um, we just happened to be a really good fit for this new section they were rolling out across the country. And so they, we chatted with them and actually I reached out to them um, just, just on a whim because I knew some guy had gotten into CBS and I knew he was a small startup. So I called them. And they're like, yeah, you might be a good fit for this section. And I was like, okay, um, <laughs> sure. what's next? And, right. and uh, they said, well, we'll do, we'll do a pilot with you. And if you do well, we'll put you in stores. And I was like, okay, what, what's the pilot? Should we go into 12 stores? And then a few months later, we check back in and they say, yeah, you've done actually really well in these stores. We'd like to put you in 4,000 stores. <laughs> Hello. And I was like, okay, well, you know, what are the... And, 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 you know, that's hundreds of thousands of units. That's, oh yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's something like thousand dollars <laughs> yep. just to, 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 to make do it. it. Yeah. Um, so you need the money, you need the capa- production capacity. And we, uh, luckily we had switched over co-packers to a new co-packer that had a higher capacity, like just as that was happening. And so we, we were able to do it and, um, and we but we had this moment where like do we do this like we 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 don't do it if we think the odds are we fail but if we think there's a good chance we can succeed we do it so we made the call to do it and it's worked out thus far so um that was overnight we were kind of nationally distributed and um and now all of a sudden we were not just e-com e-commerce product but we were uh, a brick and mortar product right and that's by the way like totally ass backwards relative to how most people do like pharmacy is like the last place you go (laughs) typically and yeah but um, you go where there's opportunity i mean right and what what a cool place to be with your product as it relates to kind of the brain and body nutrition space yeah no totally yeah so we so we did that and then and that kind of forced us to grow up very quickly in the brick and mortar space. And since then, we've entered more brick and mortar uh, channels. But um, but that really forced us to grow up very quickly. It's very very cool. And I love your logo, by the way. Um, before we go, I share with our listeners, you know, maybe two or three key lessons learned. I, I loved the gray area story earlier. To me, that's like that was like a major nugget from today that others could do and maybe find success in, but you know, what would be a couple other things that you've learned over the last couple of years as you've been getting this company off the ground? I would say, um, have a never ending pursuit of product perfection is, is one big one. I think a lot of people will find something that works and that people like, but don't love. And we'll just try and grow a company off of that. And you got to start somewhere. So, um, that, that will happen. And the question is, do you, are you like, do, are you never satisfied to keep going? Because there's always a way, especially in food and beverage with ingredient technology, the way it is like, for example, Stevia 10 years ago tasted metallic, like every Stevia on the market tasted metallic and all the early adopt, you know, early adopters would just deal with it, and everyone else was like, "No, I don't, you know, I don't want to taste stevia." And now, like stevia technology is at a place where it actually can produce this really good um, sweetness, and with minimal, highly minimal, um, 
you know, after effects. And so that's just totally been a game changer. And if you were stuck in your ways of using honey, because you weren't going the Stevia route, because, you know, and you had, you were so sort of stubborn that you weren't open to updating your sweetener setup, then you're not innovating your, your brand to be uh, aligned with, in, you know, ingredient technology and things like that. And that's just one example, but, um, you know, I think that, I think you, a constant pursuit of perfection on the product end is so critical because it makes everything else in the business work better. Like if you have a better product, your salespeople can sell it better. Your marketers can market it better. You know, everyone gets more excited about it. You can no raise question. money easier, et cetera, et cetera, no et cetera. Question. So, um, just like never stop. Like there is no finish line on that. And I don't think people always get that. Like, there's you're always you should always be improving and if you're not think about why you're not that's that's kind of one thing and then i love that one i would say the um the hardest thing for me is the people component of it like surrounding yourself with the right investors advisors and employees um is just so critical like i was a one-man show for a very long time and how do you, that first hire you make is so critical because you double your output right. and the next hire, right. you know, you add another, uh, you know, now that person's going to be 33% of your, your output. And so each of your initial hires is so impactful to the business and a misstep is just like devastating. So, cause it, it takes you away from all right. the stuff you need it's like to be doing. Energy. Right. And you're just thinking half your day about like, what is this what person do doing? Are they that? doing a good job? And right. And so it can be really derailing. And so I think, you know, you're going to not always make the best judgment calls, but I think everyone being very upfront, like you have to be, it's seemingly like an asshole, but really you're just being honest and upfront. Um, and like admitting when things aren't working out and being really transparent and proactive. I think a lot of people let things like if someone's not a good fit for, for, for a role, like they'll just let it drag on for a year, even more. And it's like, had you nipped that in the bud a month in, you would have been crushing it by month six. Right. Because, and, but you waited, Interesting. but you waited yeah. and, and waiting is just like, you already have the odds are you won't succeed. If you're like waiting on something like that, it's, it's, just going to be killer for you. So the people piece is so critical and I don't, I have no silver bullet on that myself. Like we found great people, but it has been some, a lot of trial and error and just like um, a little bit of luck and, and, and all that. So I don't have like a ton of advice other than like, when you know, it's a good fit, you'll know, make sure it, <laughs> if it's it, not make sure it, deal with it quickly. <laughs> yeah. And if it's not deal, deal with it quickly. So yeah, that's great. No, I yeah, love that. That's two big ones. Uh, this is awesome, Will. Well, um, I'm sure our listeners will be interested in checking out your product. You mentioned CVS and whatnot. Why don't you share where they can find you online, social media, et cetera? Yeah, sure. So um, we're actually going live in all, not all, uh, many Kroger locations. Oh, awesome. Um, that'll be, I want to say October like 12th or something like that. Mid, mid, Basically mid-October. So that'll That's be- awesome the best grocery spot to get it, but we're also online at eat and 
uh, Amazon.com. And uh, there's a three-bar trial, too, which is a great kind of intro uh, proposition for anyone just trying to try the product. We give away uh, three bars for free. You just pay a couple dollars in shipping. And so it's a good uh, way to dip your, your toes in the water. But, um, but yeah, those are the best spots to go. Yeah, I love the flavors. Blueberry, matcha chai, almond butter, almond butter crisp. Oh, my gosh. Chip peanut butter chip this is awesome so will i i really appreciate you being on the podcast so exciting for you guys i definitely want to have you back on um as you continue to grow i, I know you'll have other lessons learned and stories to share and i just really appreciate you coming on the podcast yeah no it's my pleasure happy to do it again the contender cast is sponsored by henderson shapiro peck you can download additional contender cast episodes directly via the apple itunes app store the Google Play Store, Spotify, and other preferred podcast platforms. If you would like to be a guest on the ContenderCast, connect with us at contenderbrands.com. This is Brian Benson reminding you that every winner started as a contender. Contender.